Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast. I am Brian with me as always are Zach and Vince and we are here to talk about the first week of DC's Infinite Frontier uh, initiative starting with Infinite Frontier number zero. Um, I'm just gonna get the credits out of the way now and we talk about them we might reference the creators but I just figured it's better to put this out there. Uh, written by Joshua Williamson with James Tynion IV and Scott Snyder, featuring uh, art of the framing story by John Timms. Then there's a Justice League story written by Brian Bendis with art by David Marquez. A Batman story written by James Tynion with art by Jorge Jimenez. A Wonder Woman story written by Becky Cloonan and Michael Conrad with art by Aletha Martinez and Mark Morales. A Wonder Girl story written and illustrated by Joel Jones. Uh, Alan Scott story by James Tynion IV and Stephen Byrne. Teen Titans Academy by Tim Sheridan with art by uh, Rafa Sandoval. Superman written by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art by Jamal Igel. Green Arrow and Black Canary written by Josh Williamson, art by Alex Maleev. Stargirl written by Jeff Johns, art by Todd Nock. Nock? Nock, I guess. I, I never know how to say that name. I've read it a thousand times. Knock, uh, Green... knock like the Indigo Lanterns. Oh, okay, yes. <laughs> well played. Um... Green Lanterns by Jeffrey Thorne and Dexter Soy, The Flash by Josh Williamson and Howard Porter, and an epilogue story by Josh Williamson and John Vermita Jr. Before we get into each bit of the um, of the book, what did you guys think overall of this of this one shot? Go off, King. I mean. This is the. Um, this was probably better than DC Universe Rebirth. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think that will be the popular take, but that that is my take also because um, I love issues that are structured like this, and 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 DC Universe Rebirth was a little like that, but this this has a lot more going on. This reflects the entire line in a way that I, I feel is like, uh, you know, some somewhat equal versus a DC rebirth, uh, one shot, which was, yeah, yeah it, did, it did a lot of that, but it was very clearly focused on like two major events. Right. Yeah. I think that's a good point, Vince. I think this very much feels like the big bang for this entire line and that you're going to see bits of this played out, for months and maybe even for a year or two down the road. Whereas I feel like with rebirth, a couple like Wally West returning was a big deal. The button reveal was kind of a big deal, but a lot of the other stuff just sat around until doomsday clock. And then doomsday clock took five years to come out or whatever it was. And so the impact was really dulled by that. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I agree. Um, in terms of it be, I think that one of the inherent difficulties with an issue like this is that the framing story is always going to feel a little bit cheesy because it's never, it's never natural to like float through 10 stories or whatever. Um, but what did you guys think of the story of sort of the specter leading Wonder Woman on this journey through the DC universe? Um... I honestly didn't think a lot of it, I guess. Like as in terms of like a framing sequence, it it worked well. Um I think um well 
Oh shit! You might have to cut this out. I was gonna. I was. I wanted to say something about what Josh said in your in the interview about like it being kind of a. Um, what did he compare it to? Kingdom Come. Kingdom Come, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to say that, but I don't want to step on the interview. No, the interview is already out by the time you're p- people are hearing this. It is. Okay, yes, okay. Yeah. Well, then then snap us back in. No, we're good. Just keep going. <laughs> well, you don't, you've got to cut this out. Why? Because it's, like, unprofessional. This is the singer now. Um... <laughs> All right, here we go. I may not edit that, but there we go. go. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, we're um, we're we're a famously professional podcast. <laughs> we are actually, though. Um, yeah. So in the interview that you can read on multiversitycomics.com, nope, 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 you can listen to it. You can listen to it on multiversitycomics.com. <laughs> Snap a smack in. <laughs> uh, um, Josh Williamson. Uh, compared the, this uh, framing device to Kingdom Come, where in that uh, the Spectre led um, the preacher, I forget his name, even though we read it just a few months ago, uh, um, around around Norman the DCU. McKay. That's it. That's it. Uh, Red, led Norman around the DCU, uh, whereas here he's leading Wonder Woman, which was a, a cool nod. Um, and... Um, you know, also having the the quintessence from um, from Kingdom Come is another nice nod too. So yeah, I I, I like it for that reason. Um, otherwise, I think it was just kind of like serviceable. Vince. Yeah, I mean, I I <clears throat> here's the thing. Like, I, I love issues like this. I I love these little um table setters for whatever the new status quo is you know whether dc or marvel does it like sometimes it's it's some of the my favorite stuff that they do you know but with every one of those comes this like very threadbare um uh you know device for getting a look into all these different stories right Mm -hmm. um which i think you know it's it's kind of necessary if you don't want it to just feel like a uh pamphlet or something you know like like an issue of dc connect or whatever that magazine is that they put out yeah um i mean i think this does the job and i i think it actually i think it goes a little bit beyond that with the way that it ends which i we'll we'll talk about later i i I won't i don't want to spoil it right now uh everybody everybody should have read it if they want to be listening to this but you know we'll, we'll we'll talk about it when we get to it but um um I think the way that it touches on some pretty important DC history goes a little bit beyond the typical framing device. Um, I, I, the the appearance of the quintessence, really, you know, that was another Kingdom Come thing, right? Like, isn't that the first appearance of them? I believe or maybe, so. Yeah, anyway... Um, yeah, I just think you know that's there's there's a certain reverence to to it um, that I get a kick out, especially uh, especially from DC, where like to me the the legacy and the history is their most um, uh, you know interesting aspect. I think to focus on. Um, yeah, I, I liked it. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think it's particularly. Um great or terrible i think it does what it's supposed to do and because i think everybody acknowledges why it's there it's not like 
anyone's like, oh, you know what the best part of any of these big issues are? The framing device. Like nobody ever <laughs> thinks that way, right? So it's it's totally fine for what it is. It's 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 a well intentioned and well written story that kicks us down this path. Um, so let's get into what this path is. So Wonder Woman has uh, ascended to this like um, this realm. We're not entirely sure where she is, but she comes across the quintessence. And the Spectre is there, and he basically says that she is uh, she should ascend past this plane of existence. And she says that she won't do that until she knows basically that everybody on Earth is going to be okay. And so the Spectre takes her on a journey to basically check in with the DC Universe to allow her peace of mind to ascend. Does that more or less wrap it up? Yeah. Okay. So the first story we get is the Justice League story, um, and we get the first appearance of the denied name Shazadam. <laughs> I mean, I still think it's just a gag, right? Oh, it's totally a gag. Yes, yeah. I, uh, people are just messing up his name because they don't know what to call him. Right, right. Uncle Rich is just being his uh, pedant self. Yes. Um, but what did you guys think of the Justice League story? I I just want to say off the bat, I think it's you know it's very short, but Marquez does really nice work here. It has me excited to see him do more Justice League stuff. Um, what what did you guys think of this mini story? Yeah, it it was good. Um, Marquez's art is is just really handsome to look at. You know, like that's one handsome Superman, right? <laughs> and. Uh, and uh, and I think the status quo is interesting. I think, you know, Black Adam, you know, as we know, is going to be joining Bendis's Justice League. And um, I just I, I think he nails Superman's approach to that, you know, um, a clip from the Superman and Lois TV show that's been going around is that is that uh, repurposed line about uh, I think it was what was it from? Was it from um Superman for all seasons or something like that where uh where he's like the kid's like a cool costume mister and he's like thanks my mom made it for me you know like uh-huh. here here again is Superman referencing his mother and I just think that that's you know it's a small thing and it, you know any writer could do that but so many writers don't right so many so many writers don't bother with that side of Superman and I think it was just a warm couple pages as an intro to this Bendis Justice League Zach um yeah the art was definitely the best part of it i think um it was a lot shorter than i expected it was only three pages you know and i I kind of expected to get a bit more of a definitive tease for whatever whatever bendis's justice league is going to be um that said i mean you know it's it's um uh, I guess I I don't know it it didn't like wow me or anything it it was fine. I find it interesting that Bendis or DC or Williamson whoever sort of uh, hashed out what this story was going to be. I find it interesting that they feel that Black Adam is the most important part of that story mm-hmm. because each of these each of these little stories teases like the most important part of the upcoming run right. And so it's interesting to me that Black Adam is being positioned as the most important piece here. 
Well, he is Dwayne Johnson, so he is Dwayne the Rock Johnson. That is correct. Um, yeah, the Flash is not on his team, though, is he? No, I don't think so. Well, actually, the the Flash is on a different team. The right. Flash is on a different yes, team, we'll but talk I about don't that later. actually know if he. Let me. Uh... No, I don't think there is a Flash. I don't believe there's a Flash um... or a Green Lantern on the team. But I I, ex- the... I expect if if Bendis is given a long enough run, I expect that to change a little bit. But sure, sure. But uh, yeah, okay. So next we move on to the Batman story by Tynion and uh, Jorge Jimenez, and this story is a um, is really like the inciting event for the Bat books that will spin out of this. Um, I couldn't believe how much so. I, I know that sounds silly, but I feel like. Typically, in in a book like this, if you didn't read this issue but picked up the first issue of Batman post this, you wouldn't have to know as much about what happens here as like this is essential reading for the for the Batman run. Correct. I yeah, would, I, I, I would say yeah, not just even like the Batman run, but probably like the whole Batman line. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And, uh, you know, uh, I, Jorge Jimenez's art is just – he is he is on a, an amazing streak right now of of just incredible work. And it continues into the Batman issue we'll talk about a little bit later. But uh, I, I thought this looked absolutely beautiful. I liked how this gave a sort of sense of where a bunch of the characters in this – in the Gotham are right now. You know, it gives us a, a look at – Huntress and Oracle and the Batgirls and Grifter and you know just it it's a nice little like primer on on Gotham right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach, what do you think of the Batman stuff here? It is very good. Um, so I'll preface this and say I had not. I was a few issues behind on Batman um, leading up to. Uh, Infinite Horizon and um, Infinite Frontier. I'm not gonna stop doing it. Um, <laughs> just not gonna stop. Um, and so I caught up on that to get ready for uh, for the podcast and or, or for you know from we're talking about this and talking for Bat- talking about Batman and that run is so good. Still, I I think there was that one issue I didn't like um, that kind of like. Soured me you. off of it, yeah. soured me a little bit, and then I caught up on it again. I was like, "No, this is good." And it's funny how like that run was Infinite Frontier before Infinite Frontier started. Um, like how it just kind of has that energy, and I, I'm just like, I'm just really into what Tynion and company are doing with the Batman books. I never thought that. Uh, in, moving forward, like of what we know about the current lines, just based on what we've read, the Batman books are like far and away the healthiest, which is crazy to me. Especially coming out of Future State, where all of us were bored silly by the Bat books. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Vince, what do you think of this? Yeah, I'm gonna echo what what Zach said. Like, I can't believe it, but I think like. Um the bat books are probably going to be my favorite on the whole. Um, 
at least in the early going. And I think, like, first of all, Tynion was not kidding when he said that he was taking inspiration from the, the Hickman X stuff at Marvel. Because I can see how this is kind of... I mean, you, if you read some more of these books and, and some of the other segments, you can definitely see how they're all working in concert in that way. And they all kind of have a status quo to, to rally around, right? Right. Um, but but more than that, I think the highest compliment I can pay to this stuff, and I'm, I'm going to bring this up again when we specifically talk about some of the books uh, this week and next week, um, is that this is the first, and I've been... <laughs> I've brought this up on the show so many times. My favorite time as a comic book reader was that free that uh, pre Flashpoint uh, Bat Book era where there was like Red Robin and the Steph Brown Batgirl and uh, Gotham City Sirens and Batwoman in Detective Comics, Batwoman in Detective, and the the Morrison Bat stuff, and uh, by far my favorite era i think as a as a like a week as like a wednesday warrior type Mm -hmm. um and this is the first time that the bad books feel like they're back to that and it's it's more than just having Cass and steph as bad girls like it's just it's just everything it's having so many pieces uh out on the table and in in different places and to the point where Bruce himself is almost like, like in this little segment, you don't see Bruce till the very last page and he's just like swinging in. And I kind of want back, like going forward. I know it's never going to be like this, but I, I going forward, I kind of want that to be Batman. Like he shows up once in a while to swing in and like save the day or whatever. But I, I love seeing all these little bat family characters running around doing their thing. That's what I want. Um, and and for right now, it's giving that to me. Well, well, not retiring Bat. Like you don't have to retire Batman. You don't have to kill Batman. You know, you don't have to kill Bruce. You can have it all. And and I I feel like we're getting it right now. And that's that's what I've wanted. Yeah, that's that's very well said. I think there's a lot of really fun stuff happening in this one little segment. Do we think that Bane is really dead here? Well, I don't think. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't. I, I don't know. I don't think there anyone's was... really dead. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's sort of the point of the book, right? But yeah, um, there's the, uh... the red shirts who work at Arkham are the 500 people that died or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, that issue of was it Joker War? The Joker War special where the Joker went into Arkham and had the conversation with Bane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That yes. certainly like leads you to want to think that Bane is really dead, but I'm sure I'm sure Titan has a long game here. Maybe, maybe um, they all just said, you know, Tom King spoiled Bane forever, so <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, all right, well let's let's move on from that because we're gonna come back to that in a little while. The next section is the Themyscira section. And this is built all around Nubia and seeing Nubia sort of become the new Wonder Woman of Earth. Now, well, well kind of, Hi- right? Hippolyta, you mean? No, Nubia becomes like... Nubia becomes Queen of the Amazons. 
But like, she isn't the implication that she is going to also be acting as as Wonder Woman out there. I mean, I, I know Hippolyta. I mean, going we've out... seen. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, we've seen that in like Future State. We saw that, and and you could be right. It's just that from this story, sure. my impression, okay. Okay. my impression is that very fair, is... very fair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and also because we know Hippolyta is going to be Wonder Woman in Justice League. Right. Yeah. Right. Um. Or we don't know if she'll be Wonder Woman. She might just be Hippolyta in Justice League. Well, it's, well, it's the Wonder she's... Woman role. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this this little story does a really good job of establishing the Themyscirin, um status quo that we're walking into. I don't know how long it will take for the Wonder Woman book to get there. It's interesting. One of the downsides of doing a one-shot like this is that anything that you reveal here would have been spoiled in solicits like months earlier. And so like we're talking about the Flash in a little while and the Flash is going to be a very different book come like June than it is in May, right? And so mm-hmm. I wonder if we're going to be seeing more of Nubia and Hippolyta in the Wonder Woman proper title a few months down the road. That would be an interesting tactic for them to employ to kind of get past solicit spoilers is just to have like the first three or four months of the book kind of be a slightly different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, which is, you know, in an ideal world, that's what future state would have been. We would have, we would have gotten something other than future state. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but anyway, but yeah, what'd you guys think of this story? Um, Vincey, go ahead. Sure. It was, I, I I liked it. I thought it was, I thought it was, I mean, I like, I like pretty much all of this book that I'm going to sound like a broken record, but, um, but I thought like the stuff with the Gorgon head and like the challenge that, you know, that uh, you have to stare down the Gorgon head and all the others were afraid of, but Nubia stepped up and she was going to do it. And that like, that part was clever and I think well-written and I, I like this role for, for Nubia and Hippolyta. I think it makes sense. I, I'd love to see Nubia as Earth's Wonder Woman as well, but like if the plan was to have Hippolyta do that f- for a little while, I think that this is a good sort of compromise. You know, mm-hmm. I, I hope we do. I hope we do eventually see it because I think like Nubia could be a really interesting and important character in that way. But um but I think what they came up with in the meantime uh, works well enough. Um, yeah, I just I liked all of this. <laughs> yeah, as someone who didn't like the Nubia story in Future State very much, I thought this was like a much more interesting use of the character. Um, so yeah, I I, I like this reasonably well. Yeah, I agree. I think that. This sets, like I said, it sets up a nice sort of status quo for this corner of the DC universe. It's amazing to me. I mean, Nubia has been around forever, but Nubia has been a pretty much ignored character for quite some time, and it's quite the glow up for her going from being like you know third string Amazon to the queen of of the mascara now. So I'm I'm very interested to see how they continue to build that character out. Um, all right, then we get to the Wonder Girl sequence by Joel Jones. And this is super short. This is just basically um, 
Yara Floor about to get on a plane to go to Brazil. This is the teasiest of teases. <laughs> Have you guys seen the stuff online about this, the Yara Floor stuff being a little controversial? Yeah. Um, and I figured that was coming. I mean, it's, say, it's kind say, of, a, it's... say why for our listeners. Guys. Um, well, so I haven't like read a ton into it, um, but from what I can tell, it has to do with a lot of um, people of, of Brazilian heritage um, kind of taking offense with the way that the character is portrayed in some of the like the the Brazilian um, <clears throat> aspects of the series, maybe not being quite like what authentic or yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think there's certainly merit to that. I think like anytime you, I mean, obviously, like, I, I don't think that that's something that should be brushed aside. Um, what's hard though, is that with so little of the story out there to say that something is not, I, I guess we don't know what the story is yet. So it's hard to to like characterize authenticity until we know what the story is trying to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and again, I, like I said, I didn't really like read a lot of those takes, so I don't really know. I, I should, you know, kind of maybe should have read that ahead of time. I just wanted to bring up that they are out there. I was not aware they were even out there to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but anything to say about this, uh, this very short segment. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's really just there to remind you that Yara floor <laughs> exists, right? <laughs> like, yes, it doesn't, it doesn't do, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't even like, it doesn't even hint at a story that's around the corner other than it, there seems to be some of these, uh, Brazilian Amazons like hiding in the shadows, watching her or whatever. <laughs> I, I assume that's, you... that's who they are because, yeah. of, because of the uniforms. But yeah, it also gives you a little bit more of an understanding of sort of where the character is coming from in terms of you see her interact with her family. Mm -hmm. But again, it's one page of her family interaction. So sure. it, it's tough to get anything from that. Uh, anything else to say about this? I mean, the art is great. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of great art, the next story is the Alan Scott story. Stephen Byrne is here doing this along with James Tynion IV. And this is essentially a really a really interesting way to bring James Robinson's Earth 2 into continuity. Uh, just in terms of making Alan Scott gay. And I think that this issue handles that delicate subject about as well as you can in terms of, you know, people are always going to be mad that the stories that they read don't feel real anymore because of a retcon of some kind. But I feel like this very short story did a nice job of making the readers see that the stories that they read in the past still work. And yet there's also a place for this new status quo. Yeah. And I feel like the reveal is handled really well too i mean i it it's it felt well earned and well written and, and man it's great to have jade and obsidian back 
um, I need this book right now. Um, <laughs> it'd be great. Well, so yeah. I, sorry, go ahead, Vince. Oh, I was just gonna say I thought it was handled, you know, really sensitively and and uh, and honestly and and heartfelt. And you know, there's complexity there because of the character's history. And I think the way that that Tynion navigates that is is pretty. Um, smart and you know with historical context um makes a lot of sense i i know it probably won't make everyone happy um but i think like it is it is the best way to do this with this character and i think you know i think there deserves to be a character like this from the old guard you know i think you know some people get bothered by like you said brian retconning but i i I just feel like those people need to suck it up and understand that like there is authentic historical context for this kind of thing too you know sure and and i think that just sort of doubling down on that for a second Alan Scott already had a very weird relationship with like he, with relationships, like oh he, it was yeah it's such a messy history. It, it's it's not like you're taking. I could understand if Hal Jordan, who's been involved with Carol Ferris from Carol Ferris from like the very beginning of his of his stories, if you felt like wait a minute we have all these wonderful stories that have these two characters in love. How dare you mess this up? I could understand that more, but the Alan Scott romantic history is at best convoluted, at worst totally incomprehensible. So I don't, I don't feel bad about this at all. What I did want to talk about, though, is so sort of the in-story reason for why Alan is having this conversation with his kids now. He says some of the greatest minds of this world are looking out at it, the frontier again and all that's possible. And they've asked me to be a sentinel overlooking the totality of this world. First of all, bringing back his old name of Sentinel yep. is the Gabagool. But also, what do we what do we think that he meet that that's meant by that? I don't know if he's gonna if maybe he has an offer to join the totality group. Yeah, I mean that's that's sort of the like the most uh, literal, you know, uh, reading of that. I don't know. Are you thinking checkmate? I am thinking checkmate. Yes, because yeah. I think that it it lines up so well with what we've heard that Bendis wants to do with with doing more checkmate stuff. Alan Scott has a history there, and you know it's it's not a far jump from what he says to get to checkmate. Mm-hmm. We're we're doing checkmate again. It's, we're doing checkmate again, but this time it's woke. It's like the woke CIA <laughs> of, of 2021. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, I never would have thought this, but um, I think I'd be more excited for Alan Scott and checkmate than Alan Scott and JSA. I'm in the... I'm not saying I don't want JSA. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm I'm in the middle of my big JSA run read through right now, and he is such an important character in that in that book that it would be very strange for me to see a like modern day JSA book that doesn't have Alan Scott in it somehow. 
he could he could still be in it i just don't i actually like whatever the jsa ends up being i really don't want it to be like centered on the, the old jsa characters i would really like to see um a, like a lot of the like younger Mm-hmm. Uh, like Jade and Obsidian. And, I was just going to say, and, and like some of the like younger kids from the the like second JSA yes, run. Yes, I I could see instead of it being built around Alan Scott, Wildcat, and Jay Garrick, it being built around like uh, Michael Holt and the new um, Doctor Midnight, and maybe Jade, like as the you know as the core there. Michael Holt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that that statue of a hand held, you know. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's let's move on because uh, we're just gonna get an Arrested Development wormhole tonight. Um. All right. Then we get the the tease for the Teen Titans Academy series, and this is a really short tease, also. But this one is super duper effective for me. It, it, it show and, and again I'm the Teen Titans simp we all know this but we see these sort of unnamed kids getting onto a ferry and going over to Titans Island and seeing the Titans Tower and uh, I just love this so much yeah we see the the the, the red X mask yep. too uh, show up in the um yeah, yeah, yeah. The, not much story to it. I mean, but but Rafa Sandoval's art's really nice, and yeah, I'm ready for this run for sure. Yes, Zach. Yeah, I mean, I am very excited for this. I, it's easily in my top three, like most anticipated books. So, give it to me. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so um let's uh let's move on yet again over to uh this is the the superman section the philip kennedy johnson written section which really focuses on john kent and it throws a lot of doubt at john kent's sort of um you know w- whether he's really meant to be superman and whether he will be a failure in that role and again, like Infinite Frontier, I mean, sorry, Future State. Somewhat, no, oh, I, okay. No, I didn't you say Infinite Horizon. I was, I was referring oh, no. to the wrong event. Don't, don't, oh. <laughs> don't put can your shit get, on me. Can we get a, a like a like a, a swear five jar? Second, no, can we get like a five second drop of uh, Vertical Horizons? Uh, everything you want to play whenever Zach fucks that up. I will do my best to get that ready for next week. Okay, um, great. But so, um. But in Future State, we get a little bit of the sort of doubt of the the seeds of doubt in John Kent's Superman role. Um, but what do you guys think of this sort of extended story about that? Zach, you go first. I liked this a lot. Um, the art was really good. I I thought the stuff with John was handled pretty well. Um, I'm very intrigued by this whole like this possible future of him being this this tyrant because it i just can't get that dumb bleeding cool 
earworm out of the authority stuff and how that might be tied up in Superman. Um, I'm just really interested to see what they do with John. I know a lot of people out there don't like the fact that he's been aged up and that he's doing the Superman thing, but I, I really like the direction the character's going. I, I want to see more of it. So yeah, I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. Yeah, same. Um, I think I'm going to spend my time here stumping for Jamal Eigel, who um, I've been I've been a fan of, and I've been talking about how underrated he is since um, that New 52 uh, Ray, mini, the Ray miniseries yep. mm-hmm. from like 2011 or 2012 or something. Um, I know he goes back farther than that, but like that was when I first really noticed him. And just like, dude, he does like... Yes, it's kind of house styly in that like um his style is very much like your 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 basic cape comic style as far as like the 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 visual look he's going for, but he's so good at staging an action scene. He can get weird like this Imperial the Imperial Mall Maw, sorry, Imperial Maw uh villain that John is fighting is like a great design executed extremely well. And, and just the, the, it's almost pure action scene and just the, you know, John traveling space and time to correct what went wrong with the Maw is all just visually. It works so well. I I think Eigel is so good and like has not been on enough stuff for my taste, I think. So Here's some more work for Jamal. I'm sure he's doing fine, but um, but yeah, he 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 rocks. So agreed. Yeah, I, I like this a lot. I, you know, I one of the hard things about doing a, a book like this and kicking off uh, in a, a sort of a a line like this is that there is still so much of this knee jerk reaction for me, and I think you guys as well, and a lot of DC readers against the negativity and darkness of the new 52 and so you want to have hopeful stories that are you know establishing good status quos that lead our characters to into areas that we feel are you know where they should be the problem with that is that when you do that you can't have everything be good you have to have seeds of of darkness there or else the stories aren't compelling I think this does a really good job of offering a potentially dark story, but not doing it in a grim, dark kind of way. Mm. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right. Let's try and keep moving in this book because we're going to be stopped a hundred more times, I'm sure. Uh, we get then the Black Canary and Green Arrow story. And, uh, you know, we, we see them flirting and about to bone down. And then we realize that the person who was calling uh, them is actually a resurrected Roy Harper. Uh, I'm pretty sure this was just done for me, just to make me feel better about this. Uh, you, you guys know I am the Roy Harper boy. And so I think that Josh just, uh, although he just learned after this issue was published that I'm a big Roy Harper fan. But in my heart of hearts, I had to think that he just sensed that somewhere and knew it. And so Roy is back. And uh, we don't really know why yet, but 
I, for one, am very happy. Uh, I'm also very happy that he throws away his stupid fucking hat in this scene. <laughs> what'd you guys think? Vincey, what'd you think of this? Um, yeah, I, I, I am a sucker for the Dinah and Ollie relationship. Um, so that was great. There was the part in the beginning where <laughs> Wonder Woman's like, oh, we don't, I don't think we need to watch them bone. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of funny. And the uh, Spectre's so like, we no, always we... need to watch them bone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been watching this for years. I like to watch. Um, uh, yeah, I'm the, the, the Roy bit, you know, it was, it was, uh, fan service for sure. But, uh, nonetheless i ate it up um yeah i liked it I, the the maleev art um was interesting and kind of different for him i think um and i don't know if that was jordy belair's colors or 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 what that was it was belair's belair uh colored this right i believe so i thought i thought um anyway i, th- I thought it looked great um yeah, just just another like bit of fan service that I that I ate up for sure. Um I also liked this. I have really missed the Ollie Dinah stuff since the end of the uh, Ben Percy Green Arrow run. Um I was kind of surprised that Bendis didn't write this because he had kind of been guiding Ollie through Event Leviathan, um, and he these characters are both going to be in Justice League. Maliev is a frequent collaborator with Bendis, um, so if I don't. I, I oh, go ahead. I would say, if I'm not mistaken, uh, our friend Josh Williamson said that uh, Roy is going to play a big part in the Infinite Frontier miniseries that's coming, mm-hmm. and so yeah. I presume that's why he wrote it. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But, like, Roy, um, you know, it's just interesting. This is just, like, a two-page story, and, and half of it is Ollie and Dinah, and the other half is Roy. Um, so it seems like it could have gone either way. Yeah. Um, I And it almost makes me wonder, with, like, Maliev being on art, if it was, like, originally pitched as, like, a Bendis thing, and then they, like, switched it up. I mean, who who, who really knows? Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it was good. Yeah, uh, this is extremely my shit. <laughs> um, all right, moving on, we get a Star Girl story. Uh, again, Star Girl is also extremely my shit, and we get um, it's by Jeff Johns, who created the character, co-created the character, and this is about as close to corporate synergy as DC gets at this point, <laughs> uh, because not only is Stripe. A big part of this, who's also part of the Stargirl TV show, but the Seven Soldiers are a big, like, uh, a sort of looming spirit over the Stargirl TV show. And so to bring all of those elements together here feels very much like a bit of corporate synergy. Um, I thought this was fine. I have no real thoughts on this. Do you guys? Mm-mm. I guess my my one thought on this is that it's it's the one story in this whole thing that feels like it came out kind of came out of nowhere. <laughs> and I understand I understand there's a Stargirl one shot and and there is the show. And so that was an incentive to like 
get it in here. But it really doesn't feel like it really doesn't feel like it's working in concert with all the other stories. And it's probably because it's not because because as far as we know, the only thing that's planned is that one shot. Um, I certainly don't mind it here and I never mind seeing uh, Todd Knock art. I think like I, I love Knox art as like a very Cape Com throwback Cape comic. 90s look you know mm-hmm. I, one of my one of my favorites probably uh, one of the only guys who like i look at fan purchased commissions from because i just think i think they look so great and it's always like young justice yeah teen tight teen titan stuff and i just love that like the designs are good and he's so good at it so uh, yeah i'm never gonna turn that down but but it is the one story that felt like it was kind of coming and going out of nowhere yeah, my comment on that would be that if the point of it is to just remind us that these characters are floating around, even though they haven't been used in a long time, I understand that, but it doesn't feel like there's anything urgent coming out of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Zach, anything to add? Mm-mm, not, not particularly, no. It feels like a very much like a throwback comic um just with like the characters involved and Knox art has a very 90s early 2000s feel to it um which is not a bad thing it's just it's just different all right next up we have the return to gotham we get sort of the second half of this bat story where we get little glimpses of the other bat characters we see harley quinn we see um, Clown Hunter. We see Red Hood. Um, is that supposed to be Leslie Tompkins in that one page? It doesn't look um, like her, but I don't know who that is. No, 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 no. That's um, – what's her name? Uh, Falcone. Um, oh, yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Sophia Falcone. Yeah. And we see Sophia a little bit – yeah, Sophia Coppola. Uh, Fantastic star of The Godfather Part 3, Sofia Coppola. Uh, we see a little Clayface nod there as well, which is something I'm mm-hmm. I'm glad Tanya is going to be returning to. We see a little Catwoman, Penguin, uh, Nightwing, and Punchline. We're just getting, again, just like a, a real quick primer on where the Bat books are. We see a character who uh, manages to save a couple of nurses from this explosion. His name is Mahoney. Um, we will see that name so many times in the next two weeks. Yes, yes, we will. Um, of course, this instantly becomes the second best police officer named Mahoney after Steve Gutenberg's <laughs> character from Police Academy. So, just need to put that out there. Uh, we also get the first glimpse of um, a, a character that uh, named Simon Saint, who becomes a big player in Batman later this week. And we see Scarecrow in his uh, most, like, t- early aughts horror movie costuming we've ever seen him in. Uh, well, you know what this is like? What? This is this is very close to the Arkham Asylum uh, video game universe. Oh. Scarecrow. Uh-huh. Like, the, the, the syringes on his hands thing, I think, is pulled directly from that, right? Interesting. It's um, been a while yeah, since is. I played that. It's been a while. It is, yeah. It's it's like that Scarecrow mixed with, like, uh, 90s Vertigo. 
Yes. With with like the with like the branches and yeah as hair or whatever looks looks very vertigo to me. But you're right about the syringes, Zach. That's that is the Arkham verse. Yeah. Again <laughs> The Gamer verse. Yeah. The gamer verse. <laughs> this is uh you know this is a fine continuation of of the earlier story. And again, we're just getting so much Gotham stuff. Uh in the yeah, it's relative... the only thing that it's the only thing that got like two separate segments in this, and each mm-hmm. segment is chock full of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know it's it's really heavy on that, which is good. It's you know, if Batman has to be the centerpiece of DC's publishing line, which it seems like it does, then give us this Batman stuff. Yeah. All right, moving right along to the Green Lanterns section here. We get a conversation between Simon Baz and uh, John Stewart, and we should just take this moment to officially announce that we were wrong. How Jordan does not die in this, uh, <laughs> which was long prophesied by the DC Three Cast. There's at least one person on Twitter who will rub our faces in that, and that's okay. Um, we see it was just wishful thinking, like we were that's trying to right. build it <laughs> into into existence, even if we knew it was unlikely. It was exactly. some, it was a vision I'm board. My shot. Yeah, it was some vision board, the secret shit that uh, didn't work out. But uh, we see them transporting Teen Lantern to Oa. Uh, we also find out that uh, Jessica Cruz is sort of off on a mission of her own. And uh, it, it's a pretty short little story. Not a ton happens here. There is a nice moment where they tell Kelly, a.k.a. Team Teen Lantern, Lantern, to stop what she's doing, to, like, look upon Oa as they come into land. I thought that was... We don't really hear about Oa as being a planet of particular beauty in most of the stories, but I thought it was handled really nicely here. And um, there isn't a ton that happens, but it was fine. It was certainly eons better than the Future State Green Lantern stuff. Oh, yeah, Definitely. Yeah, I mean, if if nothing else, I mean, it doesn't do much, but if nothing else, it just it just keeps me humming for that status quo that we're apparently getting at the start of Jeffrey Thorne's run, which which has me wanting to give it a chance, you know, despite the future state stuff. So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm still excited for the 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 type of book it appears we're going to be getting. Yeah, and. Dexter Soy doesn't get a lot to do here. Like, he doesn't get to draw any constructs, really, or any action. And so it's a little bit hard to judge his art here, but it's it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I'm not soy-facing quite yet. No, not quite yet. So uh, strap in, tape down your boners. We're getting to the good stuff now. This <laughs> is uh, the Flash story where we see Barry hanging out with freaking President Superman. Let's just take mm-hmm. that in for a second. Let's just let that wash over us. And then Wally shows up, and uh, Barry basically says, I've been working with Justice Incarnate, and I'm going to be hanging out there, and so you're the Flash, Wally. You're the man now, dog. And... Uh... <laughs> That, that's an that's like an early two thousands internet staple for those who don't know what oh, we're talking God. about. There was uh, is there still you're the man now dog dot com? Hang on, I believe it closed down. At least there's nothing new there. I, it may still no, it's not there anymore. Okay, yeah, no, yeah. Um, 
<laughs> but oh, the hours I spent there. Exactly. Just that that loop. I misspent o- you. That loop over and over again of you're the man now, dog. You're the man now, dog. <laughs> um, but uh, so uh, according to uh, to everything we know about this, it looks like Barry's going to be off world for a while with Justice Incarnate. And we're going to be seeing Wally as the star of the Flash book come, you know, June or so. Maybe, 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 maybe it'll take longer than that. But it looks like, you know, this is going to be the status quo for a while. With that, Wally is going to be the titular Flash again. And I think this is just so awesome, guys. Guys, you're the yeah. Flash boy. I'm the Flash boy. I'm specifically the Wally boy. Yeah, I mean, this rocks. This is uh, a long time coming. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah, Zach? no, this is good. Um, I mean, like, I'm more, I'm, I mean, I'm excited enough for Wally to be the main Flash again. Um, I think I'm more excited about the Barry doing Justice Incarnate stuff. Um, personally, uh, mostly I just like want more Justice Incarnate stuff. Um, but this, it's funny how many like epilogues, um, that Williamson has kind of had to his flash run, you know, like he had, um, speed metal. Yeah. He had speed metal. He had, um, I, I guess in, I guess like speed metal was the only one, but now he has, the, I don't know. It's, it just kind of like strikes me as funny how he like that last issue of flash, like didn't really do much for me, but like speed metal and this are, are very good. So it's, it's, it all, it all works out. Yeah. This is fun stuff. I don't know exactly how much justice incarnate stuff we're going to be getting like month to month, but I would love absolutely love if they were like the team that comes out during DC's events now mm-hmm. like you know there's this huge multiversal threat who do we call we call justice incarnate love it love mm-hmm. it so much let's make it happen dc um all right that pushes us along into this nice big spread which again, if you haven't listened to the Josh Williamson interview on this podcast feed, go back and do that because we touch on most of the little uh, things we see here. We didn't touch on Suicide Squad or Teen Titans or Swamp Thing because those are sort of uh, or Justice League Dark. Those are all kind of self-explanatory. We talked about a little bit about uh, Deathstroke and Shazam and the um, the totality and uh, Supergirl and Booster Gold and Blue Beetle and the Aquaman family like there's just there's there are all these great teases and what I love about this is I think I probably speak for all of us when I say this is that you know um having a smaller line is a double-edged sword because on one hand I really like like we read enough books for the next for this week and next week that we probably would have read for one week a year ago right like mm. this is yeah. it's, it, it's it's nice to have a smaller line but it also, you know, you you never want to feel like the characters that you know and love are not showing up in these comics. And so to show that, oh, no, there are plans for Aquaman. There are plans for Deathstroke. There are plans for Shazam. There are plans for Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. Like, 
the fact that all that stuff is not only hypothetically on the table, but is far enough along the um, the sort of editorial mindset that it can be included here is very exciting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Is there one of those in particular you guys want to touch on? Um, not not particularly. Not really. <laughs> not... Okay. I feel like most of the stuff that I'm interested in is in this book. Yeah. I mean, everything else is cool, um, but I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think you know, just springboarding off of what you you said, Brian, about all all of these uh, things still existing somewhere in the DCU, and that 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 there's plans to use them. I think I'm ready for. And I, I think um, will the interview you did with Williamson and uh, Infinite Frontier itself has me really ready for. Uh, I I would like a DCU that has a vastly smaller um, number of books published month to month, but maybe they rotate more. So like uh, the crime syndicate's a perfect thing. Like if you do a six issue crime syndicate story and then move on and we don't see the crime syndicate for a while, that's fine. And then you can rotate in these different little things, but make them matter, you know, make them part of the, the framework. I think my one of my big criticisms of DC, like during the New Fifty Two or Rebirth, or um, or the DCU stuff, for as good as some of that stuff was, it didn't feel like it was integral or connected at all. I, I always do like the um, comparison to the uh, the. Um, Wolfman, like Teen Titans solo miniseries that they always would would throw him a bone on, you mm -hmm. know, those miniseries couldn't matter less to the framework of the DCU, even though they were featuring characters that we had either not spent enough time with or had been missing entirely for for large chunks of the last decade, you know. Mm -hmm. I would like to see a version of this that's more like Infinite Frontier where maybe something is a six-issue or an eight-issue or a 12-issue miniseries, but it matters. It's folded in to the meta-narrative of uh, the continuity in some way. It just that, that little tweak makes all the difference to me, I think. Um, and, and I think then, you know, if, if like if uh, Blue Beetle and Booster really only have their own book for six months or whatever, well, we had a good six months with them. They'll be in the background for a bit. And, you know, at least, at least they're not taken off the table entirely. You know, I feel that's kind of what the new 52 did. And, and even rebirth, like there was still stuff off the table seemingly entirely. Um, does that make any sense at all? <laughs> yes, yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I also think that, you know, a book we'll talk about next week, the um, Batman Urban Legends book, is a really instructive way forward. I think that works better as a Bat book just because Bat books sell better, but I think that more anthology books like that 
or like we're seeing all over Infinite Frontier, you know, uh, people using backups in really unique ways. Um, I think all of those are ways to keep these characters in, you know, in the public eye, as it were, without necessarily making it that everyone needs an ongoing series. Mm-hmm. Zach, anything to add to that? No, not necessarily, other than I agree. Okay, so then we get the end of the framing device here with Wonder Woman, how she is not going to ascend. She wants to basically... I guess just we don't we don't really know what she's going to do, right? We just know that she's going off into something new, and we'll talk about that something new a little bit later. Uh, next week, I'm forgetting what books came out. Which week now? Um, next week. Next, next week. week yes. Okay. Yeah. But we get this nice big double page spread of just about all the characters we saw in this book, as well as a bunch that we didn't see. We see Damian Wayne. We see a bunch of the Teen Titans characters. Shazam. Um, uh, Red X from Teen Titans. Uh, we see Joe Mullen from uh, the uh, Far Sector Green Lantern book. Um, uh, Supergirl, etc. Just you know, a nice big shot of the DC universe there. You know, I want to say I don't. I don't know if we've really touched on it. I I kind of forgot to. Um, but John Tim's like really kills it. I think he's like one of my like favorite up and coming artists at DC right now. Yeah. This is a beautiful yeah. spread. He does a great job with this. It, it it feels like a modern pinup, but it has so many classic elements too. Mm-hmm. Um, just really, really well done. Then we get an epilogue, which is of the quintessence talking and talking about earth Omega. And we get, um, a glimpse at sort of a a big villain here. We see a, a villain. It looks like maybe he's taking out the quintessence, but I don't know if that's supposed to be taken literally or not. But uh, Zach, who is that villain? It's uh, it's it's um. Oh, I was gonna try and make a make a joke, but I've I've screwed it up. It's Dark Side. It's Dark Side. <laughs> Dark Side drawn by John Romita Jr. And it's good. No, uh, it's good, Ramita. Look, if, if Ramita, if Ramita no. only had to do like four or five pages at a clip, I think you could get this level Ramita all the time. But this that's... doesn't look any different than the. No, no, I'm okay. sorry. What do you mean this level? If you look at the faces of the quintessence, none of them are as lumpy or disturbing as a <laughs> lot of uh, a lot of his art has looked over the last. 15 years i i'm sorry i can't go there with you guys i you can't go for that it's fine no no can do there we go it's fine um i i was right about the um the earth omega thing that was teased in williamson's future state being the the opposite of elseworld yep yeah yep yep I really thought this uh, the the back half of this framing device was especially clever, where like the the quintessence are feigning ignorance in the f first half about like uh, we don't know what you're talking a cost what we don't know what you're talking about, and then you find out that they're using Earth Omega as this prison, or at least they think, 
Um, I, I, I thought that was a really good touch. That's also kind of very similar to Kingdom Come in that they had the prison earth, essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so nice. I, nice I, I, liked, I liked everything about this except for the Ramita art, which I just can't. Man, back in the day, I was a fan, but I just think this would have been so mo- so much more impactful with the, uh, I don't know, even John Timms. Um, but whatever. You you guys you guys can I'm I'm glad it's there for you, Zach. They did it for you. Well, I, I think we each got a little thing here. I got Roy. He got some John Romita. What, what, what was your particular family? Well, that's not here? like the thing that I came for. I did not like. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's... No, that's not like my thing in this issue <laughs> by a long shot. <laughs> no, um, no, I think I my thing. No, I like the Batman and the Alan Scott stuff. Adam Sandler in uncutgems.gif. I disagree. <laughs> Oh, you guys. Couple of hooligans. (laughs) So, at at the end of this book, what do we think of all of this? What what do we think of this Infinite Frontier one-shot and what it it says about the future of DC? I... Simply that I love when Marvel or DC do books like this, and I think this is an especially effective uh, version of that. I think... I'm interested in basically everything. There's not one segment where I'm like, mm, I could leave that by the wayside. Zach? Yeah, I mean, like, it's... Part of it is just because I'm really excited about a lot of the stuff that's in Infinite Frontier. I'm excited about Teen Titans Academy. I'm excited to see where the superman books are going i'm i'm excited about a lot of these characters and seeing how um stuff from uh, future state carries over and i think it's just a really effective book at at kind of like setting up and new and interesting status quo again i said like at the beginning i thought that this was better than um dc rebirth because and I mean, I mean, maybe this is like, th- there's definitely some recency bias mixed with the fact that like Rebirth wasn't exactly, I think, what any of us wanted it to be after, you know, we really kind of got to see the full picture. But I feel like this does a much more effective job at like setting up what the actual status quo is rather than just leaving a stinger. Like this has the stinger with Dark Side, which I will say is probably less interesting than the like, dr manhattan reveal even though that that was kind of dumb um it's less risky for sure it's much less risky but um i'm just like really interested in what the status quo is for these for these characters now yeah vince said something in in our uh in lad's chat about this he specifically called back to brightest day and i think that's a really good point to draw back to where after brightest day with the exception of sort of the books involving the trinity every other book in dc's line felt like it had really touched on the uh it had something to do with the 
events of Brightest Day, whether it was like both the Justice uh, the Justice League book took on the Brightest Day banner for a while and had like Jade as an important part of that book, or you saw Hawk and Dove book spun out of that, uh, Green Arrow spun out of that. There was the Brightest Day series that had all these that had Aquaman and Aqualad and all this stuff. You know, everything felt like you needed to be aware of the. Um, the brightest day status quo to, to, to understand the rest of the line. And this really feels like the Rosetta Stone for everything DC is doing right now. Everything is seated in here and starts from here. And I think that if it was a lesser book, that would be a really scary proposition. But because this book was so good, I think it will also buy some time if the other issues don't come out swinging right away if they're mm -hmm. slow to start which which we're going to talk about some are a little slow to start yes but, but but i think that none of us feel like we're cheated out of those books because of all we got here and knowing what's to come mm -hmm. sure yeah all right well, let's take a break and we'll come back and discuss the rest of the infinite book your books for this week starting with batman number 106 so stay tuned Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on MultiversityComics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back with our second half of the show. Let's start by talking about Batman number 106. This is, of course, written by James Tynan IV, illustrated by Jorge Jimenez. Again, I know we've we've praised Jimenez many times. I think what he's doing on Batman right now might be the best stuff he's ever done, which I know is, is high praise, but goddamn, this is really, really, really beautiful stuff. Um, I'm going to, I'm not going to push back on that per se, but I, there were times when I read this issue, when I was reading this issue where I thought like it was maybe like a little overproduced, if, if that makes sense. Um, I mean, you're you're entitled to your wrong opinion, but you know, I, no, I mean, no, like kidding. it's just—I like, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Some of like the digital effects are just like very—it's a lot. Ooh, well, I didn't—I didn't notice that. Those aren't on him necessarily. I think that's more no, of a not, coloring thing. Maybe so. Than yeah, the maybe line so. Art. Sure. Yes. Absolutely. Um, definitely right. I guess who did the coloring for this? Is that uh, Tomo Mori? Yeah. And I typically really like Mori. Um, I wonder how much of this is um, just sort of uh, riffing off of what eventually becomes like we know that future state is the like end the theoretical end point of this story. So if they're starting to incorporate some of the visual tricks of future state to make this feel more like more on that same line, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I don't know if I believe that or not, but yeah, I don't not believe it. Okay. Um. So, uh, unlike you, Zach, I did not go back and finish. I was, I think, an issue or two behind of uh, Tanyan's Bat Run, and I did not go back and reread those before coming to this uh, this book. I did not realize that Ghostmaker was a full-on ally now. He he is, and and I think that arc was a little rushed, uh, just a tiny bit. The resolution was a little rushed, but it... It was honestly really good. There were some really great um, references to like the wider DCU. Um, there was like one page in either I think 104 or 105 where Tynion just like whips out like his Rolodex of cool DC characters. Like he mentions the Great Ten. He mentions uh, a handful of other like really great characters. Um, so I, I really dug that. I was kind of sad that I had slept on it for a little bit. Um, but yeah, did, did anything particularly stand out in this issue to you guys? I, I thought it was, yeah, I, I, I thought it was interesting how much it sets up as far as, um, introducing the Simon Saint, Saint Industries stuff, which sets, which we know sets up the magistrate. It continues the, the mayor, uh, Nakano stuff, this unsanity collective, and all these new characters that we know that that Tynion continues to to spin out like Miracle Molly, I was surprised to see all that stuff show up in in one issue. And I, I think like, man, if every issue felt this jam packed, um, and I'm not I, like Tynion does a really good job of that, but I mean like every issue of any comic, you know, there's there's not a lot of decompression going on here. I think, uh, and I appreciated that. Yeah, I, I wonder if that will slow. I'm, I'm sure it has to slow in some way, right? Like you said, it can't be this all the time. Yeah, um, well, well. But we're also going to see, I think, some of this stuff bleed out into some of the other Bat titles. Mm-hmm. This is the first Bat book of Infinite Frontier, and so I wouldn't be surprised if some of this stuff is picked up elsewhere. Sure. Um well, I think a lot of it is going to be picked up elsewhere, um, like the Harley Quinn stuff. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what the the Stephanie Phillips Harley Quinn book looks like. Um, if it's more integrated into the line than than Harley Quinn has been for a while. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what uh, uh, that's what James Tynan said. He said that that his entire time at DC, no, the Bat line has never been as plotted out and integrated as it is right now yeah which is awesome like i'm actually really i'm really excited for it um i want it same yeah um go ahead sorry oh i was gonna just say one thing that i i was really surprised like genuinely kind of surprised with the opening of this book uh where you find out that this character that scarecrow has imprisoned is bruce Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I just kind of wasn't expecting that, um, you know, it, it picking up kind of like ahead in the timeline a little bit. Um, and then kind of going back, I, I kind of had, uh, I was a little jarred at like when this was taking place. Um, you know, if this was concurrent with, or like, 
immediately after the the A Day thing. It seems like it's happening considerably after, but um, yeah, no, I liked this issue a lot. Yeah, there there's a lot of, of really good stuff that happens in this issue. And again, I, I know we sound like a broken record here, but there is so much in here. Just like we get a real sense of what Bruce's status quo is right now. Is sort of living in, you know, uh, living in the uh, Fort Gray neighborhood of Gotham. And we just get a. There's so much in this issue that just gives you a uh, a primer on where Gotham stands after the events of Infinite Frontier number zero and sort of leaning into what's maybe going to be coming down the, down the pike. Um, we also get in this issue, the first of a two parter of the backups in this, both this and, and next month, next week or no next month as later in the months, detective comics issue, which is uh, a Robin backup by Josh Williamson and Gleb Melnikoff, who are the, uh, creators behind the Robin ongoing that begins, I believe, in May. Um, and a couple of just little nerdy DC things. This takes place in Markovia, a place we have not seen in a while, but the home of Terra and uh, Geoforce. We get Robin in- encountering uh, Talia al Ghul. He is coming back to her. He is tired of being the son of the bat. He wants to be the, the, the son of the demon. And uh, they are in, they encounter the League of Lazarus, and they begin to fight, and it ends on a uh, a cliffhanger of Talia's uh, potential murder. What do you guys think of this backup? Uh, I thought it rocked. Um, <laughs> I think I you know it doesn't do a ton story wise within its short a page count, but. I think it goes for a tone more than anything. And I think it nails that tone. I think Melnikoff's art like perfectly nails the tone. I, b- I believe he did the coloring too, right? I didn't see a colorist on uh, this. I could look. be wrong. Talk amongst yourselves. I'll figure that out. Yeah. Um, I, anyway, I think like the tone is nailed right down right. to yes. like, yes, he did color it. Yeah. Down to the lettering of the title, the, the demon or detective thing, you know, a real throwback. Um, like it was just cool to look at, cool to read, you know, and, um, and, you know, my guess is that like this, this league of Lazarus that attacks them is it, it's just like Talia testing Damien would be my, that's my, that's my guess, you know, like, I, like, I feel like there's nothing earth shattering here, but, um, it just it just nails the tone that it's going for so well, I think. And I and and one thing that's going to be, um, like a chorus I'm going to repeat here about the uh, the backup stories in these books, is that I love how short they are. They're not they're not even ten page. You know, they're like what six, maybe eight pages or something, and that's that's enough. Like I don't really want that. I, like this was great. This was great for what it was, and it's exactly what I want. So, um, I, I love what they're doing here. I, I, I'm, I'm really vibing with it. Zach, yeah, yeah, no, this was great. Um, Melnikoff's art is just a great addition, I think, to like DC's stable of of 
you know, kind of styles and looks. Um, I really like the new Damien costume a lot. Um, I, I'm I, I'm very excited for this run. Like, you know, I'm really enjoying enjoying Tanyan's Bat Book, um, but I'm kind of more excited for the the kind of ancillary Bat titles at this point. Yeah, I like this a lot. I I, I kind of wish. There was a little bit less of the, I feel like Damien's story oftentimes falls to like, you know, he's not quite a bat. He's not quite an Al Ghul. He falls somewhere in between there. And this somewhat continues that same path that we've seen a bunch of times. But I think that there's an interesting story that will spin out of this. If this was, if this wasn't uh, the start of something, if this was just like a Robin one shot or a uh, a part of a larger bat story, I wouldn't be as excited. But knowing it's going to be an ongoing spinning out of this, I think is going to be a really a really fun thing. I'm excited for mm-hmm. it. Any other closing Batman thoughts? All right, let's jump over to Crime Syndicate number one. This is written by Andy Smith and illustrated by Kieran McEwen. Um. Vincy, take it away. <laughs> um, against my better judgment, I kind of dug this. <laughs> um, like I, I, I didn't love it. Let's be clear. Like I'm not like head over heels for it. Um, but it was different, and I thought parts of it were were just funny and and like kind of purely entertaining enough for me to not dislike the experience of reading it like i guess like <laughs> i'm here for a book uh i guess where superman ties uh president oliver queen up and and does some kinky stuff to him <laughs> like, uh there was a great line <laughs> I don't know if I was supposed to read this this way, but the bit where um, Superwoman is like, um, uh, very good, not, not very good, Ollie. Now I think it's uh, time you gave your tongue its workout. And I was, oh. like, <laughs> I was like, is that is that what I think it's? Yeah, I, th- <laughs> I think so. Because like right then is when they walk in, and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know, like, like it's a it's a tough sell to do the like evil versions of heroes and get me to like it um and you know it's not without its problems too like there's there's a couple of jokes that are very like that like actually right now they're dated (laughs) you know like (laughs) there's a joke in there that's like i'd give my right arm to have 2020 back and it's like oh yeah it's the bad year (laughs) They mentioned the bad year. They you said know? it. They said the bad year. <laughs> yeah, they said the bad year. And, you know, there's there's like one or two other like very clearly the Trump jokes, you know, like Ultraman says fake news at some point or whatever. Yep. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I, I along those same lines, I can't help but smile a little bit at how dumb like, I, I always thought it was so wonderfully stupid the way that, like, Earth 3 was literally supposed to be the opposite of the prime Earth. 
in really dumb ways, like making Benedict Arnold like the George yeah. Washington character. <laughs> like, that's so stupid that it's. I'm not gonna say genius, but it's so stupid that like I couldn't help but grin. And, and and like taking it even so far as instead of it's like instead of Washington DC it's, <laughs> it's um Arnold DC <laughs> yeah so dumb just I also just so I, I, I love I love how unnatural it sounds when someone is like not even our founding father Benedict Arnold could have predicted <laughs> it's like it's just like no one has ever spoken like that in the history of the world uh, but it's great I I did enjoy that part as well exactly so so I guess what I'm saying is like. I didn't love it. I'm probably even making it sound like I liked it more than I did, but I, I could, I can appreciate how it's like dumb entertainment. Um, at least for now, I, I don't know how I'm going to feel three or four issues from now, but <laughs> like it was, it was fun enough for what it is. This might be um, the faintest praise I can throw on it but this felt like a more fun version of that Freedom Fighters book from a year or two ago. Mm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It, it was it was fine. Um my initial wrote was it, my initial note I wrote was meh times a thousand. Like there's just not there's not a ton here that gets me excited for anything. But as I went back and I thought about it and I reread it the issue um it, it's it's better than that. I guess my big my big question here is is if DC is going to be giving us a series of miniseries that are set on different earths I wish they started with one that we hadn't explored before or I, uh, so thoroughly recently yes or that that that's a fair note as well um I I don't think that I, mean, I understand from like a sales perspective, people know who the crime syndicate is. They know Earth three. If you picked like Earth two, which is interesting because this is a totally newer three. Like well, they they make a point to. I mean, it is the same. They but... knew fifty two Earth three, basically. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know. Um. But so like, if it was Earth two hundred ninety six thousand four hundred twelve, some random Earth they never heard of before. It might be a harder sell, but you could do literally anything with those characters and it would feel fun and different. Whereas this just feels like more of the same Earth 3 stuff. The time that Earth 3 works best is when you have, like, in that, um, was it in the Multiverse's End story? When there was the, there was the Owlman story where Owlman wanted to kill the Batman yeah, who laughs? Like, that's, that was the one I loved, the Multiverse's End, yeah. Yes, uh, because that, like, it juxtaposed earth three with our earth in real time that works way better for earth three than these extended stories that are all allegorical mm. at mm. least for me um did anybody have a thought on the backup by brian hitch i had i didn't watch that movie brightburn but this is this seems like brightburn <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Same. um, I didn't I didn't think much of the backup except that I did. I'm a sucker for this. I like the page where where he does the All Star Superman, uh, origin pastiche. Yes, um, I will also say that uh, the way that they throw around the word freeloader to me is very funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Zach, I'm sorry. I didn't ask you for a, a thought on the proper story here. Anything else to add on the proper crime syndicate story? No, not really. Okay. It, it was, it was, I, I did like some of the, I guess, kind of not quite reimagined, but like the little wrinkles, like having Ollie being president, um, you know, Superwoman is Donna Troy. There, there's some interesting bits in there. I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes. I guess my biggest complaint, the more I think about it, is just that if you asked me to tell you what the plot of this book is, I couldn't tell you. I could tell you some stuff that happened in this book. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what the plot of this book is. Yeah. And the yeah, plot I mean, I guess is... Starro's attacking Earth-3. Yeah. I guess? Yeah. I Oh, that's one note that I wanted to, that I wanted to bring up. I, I did like how, I don't know if this was intentional, but if it was, I kind of think it's a little brilliant how Gotham City is the one major city on Earth that the Staros didn't attack. And if that's a commentary on Gotham being the center of every, like, everything DC now, I, I don't know that that was intentional, but but if, like, it's the one city that's left out, I kind of like that. <laughs> like, I kind of think that that's really clever. I agree um, with that, yeah. I don't know if it was meant that way, though. I also, if this is the origin story, if the plot of this is it's the origin story of the crime syndicate, because it doesn't, it doesn't appear those characters are working together, right? Yet, mm, I don't think so. No. So yeah. No. Have, having their first nemesis be the same as the Justice League's first nemesis is also kind of clever. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to Suicide Squad number one. Written by Robbie Thompson, illustrated by Eduardo Pensica. Uh, Zach, why don't you start us off on this one? Man, I got to this one and I, so I, you know, I read Crime Syndicate and I'm like tugging my collar a little bit. I get to Suicide Squad and I'm like, oh no, this is, this is not good. <laughs> um, because this was kind of a huge letdown for me. This was not anything at all, really. Um, this was less interesting than the Future State Suicide Squad book, I think. Um, this is another one where I can't really tell you the plot. The plot is we have to get Talon for some reason. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think... I think we don't know the plot yet because it's so unexpectedly for me anyway, spins out of the a day stuff from Batman. That is the most interesting thing about it for sure. Yeah. And so I don't think like that when, when you, when you realize that that's what the, the kind of the, the escape that's happening is dealing with, it almost makes this issue feel like a zero issue for whatever Suicide Squad is going to be. That's an excellent point, Vince. I think that's really it, well said. You know, because they're like they're they're breaking out of Infinite Frontier still in this of like the Infinite Frontier story conceit. You know, mm -hmm. it almost makes issue. you 
it makes me feel like this should have been like instead of a 20 page issue it should have been like a six page story in in infinite frontier yeah 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 but i think like and i'm not trying to defend it because i also thought it was kind of not bad not not bad it's just slight to me it's slight and it is like like if you ask me to um recommend you an example of the most by the numbers issue number one of a book it would be this you know like it literally begins with the with the suicide squad with the task force x uh mission statement it's got Rick Flagg and Waller getting into a disagreement about how the team is being run. It's got an, a, like a heisty introduction to the major players that are going to be in this book. And that is about it. And it's, Oh, and it's got, a, it's got your requisite twist at the end that we already knew about because of solicits and things, you know? So like you're forgetting one other important uh, cliche it has, which is that uh, it, it, it kills off one of the characters in the first book. Oh well, sure, but that's you. You that is one I can forgive because you got to have su- like that is Suicide Squad, and I, I actually embrace that. Like, I like to see that. I, I, I if you're gonna do Suicide Squad, you got to kill some characters. So, I agree with that too. Yeah, but you're right. Yes, that's, um, and it's got to be it's got to be somebody no nobody cares about, like Film Freak. Yeah, well, <laughs> it was both Film Freak and. Um... Bolt. Bolt, Bolt, yeah, Bolt. yeah not yeah. Shrek. I would, I would actually like to see more of both of those characters, but that's just me. <laughs> I, Film Freak will be back in in five years. <laughs> no, no, it won't. Um, no, <laughs> here, here is where I will slightly defend this book, although I don't disagree with anything you guys said. I think that, and we've talked about this on the show before, how this lineup of the of the Suicide Squad is the first one in years to not be the same one from the David Ayer film of the same name slash the new 52, like Harley Quinn dead shot era of, of the suicide squad. And so I think that you have to give it a little bit of time to establish itself as something new. And unfortunately the way that Robbie Thompson tells you it's something new is by showing you like essentially how things used to be. And I just wish they jumped to the something new. I wish they didn't take the time to remind you of this is, this is everything that, that the task force X used to be. And Rick flag as the avatar of the way it used to be and the way it should be. And while they're playing with that, they should have just gone right into it and not, had all the Rick flag moralizing in there mm-hmm. to me, that would make this issue go down a lot smoother. Um, but yeah, th- this issue was fine. It, I, I, this doesn't dampen my excitement for the rest of the series. No, I don't. Yeah. Think, I, yeah. I agree. Yeah. It's got such a, like I said, it's got such a zero issue quality to it that like the next, the next issue is probably the one that's going to make or break it for me just to see like when the team is together and, and what, what the point of it actually is. Yeah. 
What's, yeah. the, what's the point of it all? <laughs> <laughs> and then last but certainly not least is the Swamp Thing number one. Uh, I have to correct us. I was, I was, I heard with my own ears. The proper way to pronounce this person's name is Rom V. Yes. Yep. Uh, written by Rom V, and we should have known that. That's on us. Uh, illustrated. Well, by I Mike. don't know. I, 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 I mistake. Yes, you're right. You're right. But I, I do. I mistakenly thought that it was um, Ram like a, Five. Like a, no, 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 no. Like, like <laughs> a pen Bertram? name. Like a that pen was a name good or something. Joke. Like a, Yes, it was. But you're stepping all over my like admission of ignorance. <laughs> Whatever. Yes, it was. Yes, we no, we thought it was Ram very Superman. That is true. Yeah, we did, we did think it was that. Uh, but Ram V illustrated by Mike Perkins. So, uh, Vince, I want you to start this one. Um, I dug this. I think it's a slow burn. So, like, it doesn't come shooting out of the gates or anything. But I do like this new haunted uh, Swamp Thing character that we that we meet. Uh, Levi, I believe, was his name, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I like this character. I like kind of the intriguing setup. Actually, it's, it's a lot like the... Um, Immortal Hulk stuff. Come to think of it, uh-huh. yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Um, but I, I, I dug it, but it is a slow burn. So like, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna rant and rave about how much I loved it. Um, but the art was good. Mike Perkins continues to be better on Swamp Thing than better on anything else in recent memory. Um. But yeah, if if you're if you're looking for something that's like much different from uh, Rom V's uh, Justice League Dark, I like it's very much written in that same style as well. Kind of a kind of a slow burn, uh, dialogue or narration heavy. You're very much getting the same style of story, um, but I dig that so. Zach, I'm I might rant and rave about this a little bit. I really liked this quite a bit, um, mostly because I I just assumed that this was going to be an Alec Holland book again, um, and it it wasn't. And for that reason, I'm very excited about it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I was surprised this wasn't an Alec Holland book either. I also like that it didn't feel the need to give us the origin of why this isn't Alec Holland or where Alec Holland is or any of that. It was just dropped us right into this new story. Uh, Vince mentioned er- earlier the idea of having more miniseries that matter, and this is a 10-issue miniseries. And I think that that number of issues is actually really important here. 10 issues is not a typical miniseries length. And so to me, that means that either Rom V went to DC and said, here is the story I want to tell. It's 10 issues. It's blah, blah, blah. And they said, okay, tell that story. Or this is going to join up with something else that is 
being planned at DC for 10 months from now. Either of those have me excited for the book because it, it to me those those show a commitment to either the story as as in these 10 issues or the capital S story of the DC universe for the next couple of years. And I'm happy that DC is investing in one or both of those things. Yeah. Um, I'll also say I really enjoy Perkins art here. And I, it's, it's not often that we read a DC comic where I come out of it legitimately excited to solve a mystery but I feel like the mysteries of this book, who this character is, why they have a connection to the green, all that, I think all that is really fascinating. I can't wait to read more about it. Any other thoughts? I don't think so. Mm-mm. Well, that does it for week one of Infinite Frontier. Let's... um let's just reiterate how much we enjoyed this week uh, for its brevity. It's really nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's, that's a key. That's a key uh, point to all of this. I, I feel like I would have hated crime syndicate if it was the eighth issue of the week I read, as opposed to the second issue of the week I read like the, or, or third issue rather. Like there are just, there are so few books coming out right now that you're you, there's not, the fatigue that mm-hmm. that would have come from more books. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, Vincy, what's coming out next week? God damn it. <laughs> um, uh, Batman, Urban, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Damn you, dude. <laughs> it, it's not like uh, you need to have this up in, in 10 minutes anyway. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, okay, hang on. All right. Um, Batman Urban Legends, number one. Uh, the Green Lantern season two, number 12, although we're not, we're not going to cover that yeah. this week anyway. Yeah. Uh, the Joker, number one. Uh, Superman number 29 and Wonder Woman number 770. I think that's it. That's a nice short week again. That is it. Although we do get another oversized issue in Batman Urban Legends. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But this is all good stuff. So um, if you have to get in touch with two thirds of us, uh, I'm on Twitter at Brian is an app. And I am at Wilker Fox. If you need to find Vince, he is very, very happy that his uh, farmer's only friend count is up to 37 right now. And uh, so he's really happy with that number. So don't don't try and get in on his farmer's only right now. Let him just let him stew in 37 for a while or ever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, folks. We'll be back next week with week two of Infinite Frontier. Take care. This is the Hawaiian Tropic bus pulling up to Harry and Lloyd <laughs> on the side of the road. <laughs> the fact that you know the name of the bus. <laughs> That's the stinger. <laughs> <laughs>